What did you expect? Welcome, Sonny. Make yourself at home. Marry my daughter. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. The common clay of the new West. You know. Morons. <laughs> okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me, tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my together, is my together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Well, I'm up based <clears throat> Stocks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures, hey, <clears throat> we're up 29.50. NASDAQ Futures up 121. We don't, we're not up too much. Actually, we're up two days ago a little bit. But uh, yesterday, whack, whack, took all that away. Uh, matter of fact, took twice as much away. So <clears throat> market is still in, a, in kind of a real serious funk. We'll see if we can break out of it today here at all, at least stem the tide somewhat. Do we have Mr. Kevin? You do. How are you? Yeah, we're up a little bit. I I, I envision uh, Kevin Bacon in an uh, uh, Animal House, um, just standing there in his uh, ROTC uniform, shouting, uh, "All is well." <laughs> do you remember he was in? Uh, God, what's the name of the movie? He was uh, he was the the stock guy that lost all his dough, and then he then he became the bike guy and came back and made more money in the stock and paid everybody back. What the hell was the name of the movie? Good flick. Good, it was a good feeling flick if you're a market person. Well, it's not Tremors. I know that. No, he was uh, he was a, a San Francisco uh, bike letter delivery guy for a while. Remember how, how crazy those guys were riding around the streets in their bikes? Quicksilver. Quicksil- Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty reasonable flick. Um, but he, uh, you know, he was in that. I like the came back for the famous messenger service of the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Let's see if let's see if our guy not Matt knows who Quicksilver Messenger Service is. I'm thinking of the the the, the, the seventies band, Quicksilver Messenger 70s Service. Seventies band, you got yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, Have another hit. Hey, and I, speaking of bands, did I tell you well, a few years ago how everybody thought I was like really cool and with it for an old guy? I was at the Aud- <laughs> no, never heard such a thing. Yeah, really. I, I, uh, Audrey drags me to. I don't. Know, what's, what's the uh, discount places? Um, one bought the other. The other place, not the. Not, not the Dollar General, the, the place that has all the clothes and everything. Uh, ladies love the place. Not Dollar Tree either. Right? No, it's a, uh, I don't know, I'll think of the name of it. <laughs> but, so they had all these old vintage hats, right? So I get a, I buy a baseball hat from the Houston Colt 45s. That is pretty cool and with it. Yeah, well, except that there's also a, like a really cool and with it band, evidently, of that name. So these two young I went to the Cub game and these young Both people. Both named after the malt liquor, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so they, these two guys, hey man, I didn't know you were like into bands. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> so, they didn't have the heart to tell it was a baseball team, but but I just I just went with it. I just thought it was cool for a while, an inning or two, you know. 
Well, you always roll with it. You know, yeah. you know whenever anybody says, uh, "Yeah, you know, great job," you just yeah, take take the compliment, no matter whether it really applies or not. Reminds me, I, you know, back in in my days living in, uh, in North Suburban Chicago, had a neighbor across the street whose house was, you know, the, the yard looked like something out of Better Homes and Gardens. Um, you know, George liked to uh, he, he loved gardening. He that that would be like his all day Saturday. He'd come home after work and work the flower beds and all of that, and it looked beautiful. Well, he went on vacation, and his next-door neighbor, directly across the street from me, Ray, uh, was cutting his grass for him while he was gone. And he had one guy pulled up while he was cutting the grass, waved him over, and said, you know, I've always wanted to stop and tell you what a beautiful, beautiful yard you have. And Ray just looked at him without missing a beat and said, thanks, I worked at it really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I had a nice night last night. I don't usually uh, uh, tell everybody what I do at night, but last night was almost like an old home week for uh, Stocks and Jacks. Um, Jessica Zalewski is moving to New York, so she had a uh, going-away party over at the series, because uh, she used to work over there. And uh, my buddy Robert w- works for the Fed, who I haven't seen in literally two years. Actually, we saw him that one night up in, uh, in uh, Michigan City. That's the only yeah. time I've seen the guy since. Robert. since I was, that's the only time I've seen the well, He's hard to forget because the guy's a brilliant dude. Plus, he looks just like Santa Claus with that beard. Um, but no, he's a, he's a great guy, and I, I love jousting with him because the guy knows so much about history and the uh, the markets, and he is a serious Fed guy and international clearing stuff. And matter of fact, he was doing a, he was coordinating a bunch of countries and what they're going to do about Bitcoin lately. I mean, he's got the the real the real big jobs, and and he's the nicest guy. I mean, what a background! The guy was a, a, a grew up on a Marine base, is an, and uh, he was a New York or a Long Island cop. Then he went to law school. And he didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. And then he decided to be an economist. Now he's with the Fed, one of their senior guys, and uh, not in the policy end, but in the the functional end. How you know how all the currencies all clear in the same minute all over the the, the world, so nobody's no bank goes up in the meantime. Stuff that you would never even think of, and yet when you do think of it, it's like really important. So. He was a member, and Stephanie Coney, remember Steph used to do the show before she had the little one? Mm-hmm, and, sure. uh, and, uh, so she met us for dinner, and, uh, it was terrific, cause, but I tell you what, Jessica, I mean, uh, I really wish her all the luck in the world, um, had some family issues, but she's, uh, there, there's a lot of people in the world that are, 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 uh, you know, they're, they're, ju- they're just fun to be with the minute you meet them. But she's not only, she's a very attractive girl, but, more than that, when the girl smiles, it's like the light in the room gets gets bigger. I mean, she just is so engaging. Talks a mile a minute. My first day, she comes in. My brother goes, "Where did you get her?" <laughs> she just, she's doing the show, talking to Dan, talking to somebody else. I mean, she just is the the absolute life of any of any place you are. And in New York, is gonna be so happy to have her. And I'm sorry we're losing her, but she'll she'll be close. And uh, I just feel so happy for her. She's happy to move out there. Always wanted to, and uh, has some stuff here. Maybe she should dash away from, but it's amazing how you affect other people's life. I was telling Steph that last night. Steph had the little one with her, and she's, she's a doll. She goes, God, Jessica saved my ass. She she hooked me up with the, the uh, she went to DePaul, it's the business, the business sorority, whatever that is, you and I, I don't know anything about sororities. For any, she goes, I had a list of every week, a girl call and say, hey, I'd love to babysit. <laughs> she goes, I must have had 10 terrific babysitters out there, one nicer than the other, all because they knew Jess. You know, it's amazing how... Well, and, 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 yeah, and, and you, you 
you may not know this, but <clears throat> babysitters, you, know, you find a good babysitter, and that is gold. Uh, parents uh, parents will not share their babysitters' names with other people because they want total dibs. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she, he said one, one was nicer than the other. All responsible, all nice, and on time, and the whole bit, and, uh, you know, and just... Went to DePaul and she she did well there and uh, and I good for her I and mean, just good for her and uh, so it was a nice night and I got to plus I got to piss Robert off by by telling him all, all the stuff the Fed was doing wrong so he he's always great to joust with because when you start jousting with somebody of that intellect and you can get him going it's it's almost <laughs> it's it's like a plus but uh, I, I really got him when I, I said you know there is you guys keep talking about about uh, fiscal and monetary policy well, Robert there is no fiscal policy what are you talking about. <laughs> I said, name me one time, and of course he immediately drops back in his ec- economic history. Well, we can't we can't go back and um, think of just because we can't think of one time it doesn't mean there was not one time. I said, when's the last time there's any fiscal stuff going down where the head of the central bank said, "I'm not giving you a friggin' dime," and he goes, "Well, you probably got a point there." <laughs> but it's it's you know it's just so hard to be independent, and, and those guys are are fiercely convinced they are in- independent. And yet, I don't. I mean, in a, in a political world of, of Washington, how could how can how can a cockroach be independent? For God's sake, Kevin. <laughs> they they can't. Yeah, I mean, in fact, just, in fact, they're actually. You can call it a cockroach if you want. I'd just go with congressional staffer. Well, I you know, this it's it's so bizarre. I mean, the the a lot of people, well, some of the people that I talk to in the high end of when I say people that are. I think the people on the show are really bright. Maybe I don't know. It's probably arrogant on my part because they're friends of mine. But uh, but virtually nobody nobody agrees with me. And the I mean Brendan sure doesn't. I mean Brendan is convinced that that most of the people in office are there because they're trying to do a good job and, and those kinds of things. And uh, and Robert clearly is of the of the mindset. Uh, and I think Russell is too. That people in office make mistakes because maybe they don't research enough, they don't know enough, they don't ask the right people, those kinds of things, but there's never never any, not any, but there's not generally a conspiratorial, untoward direction towards uh, some people winning and some people losing. And Kevin, I've always been, for a long time now, I've been outside of academia, I mean, all I did was get my MBA, and I've read stuff along the way and see stuff in my industry where money just flies all over the place and has for the 40 years I've been in it. And you see the, the, the monetary repercussions of every single one of these decisions, maybe more so than you ever would as a as a Fed economist or even a, a, a university economist or anything like that. And I'm absolutely convinced <laughs> that that there's something behind all this crap that people know who the winners and losers are, and the winners are always the same people. And I I'm, I refuse to believe that people that somebody doesn't know that I can't be the only person that kind of when they when they do something. It says, "Wait a minute! These guys are going to win, and these guys are going to lose." I, they, there's no way, Kevin. I'm not, I'm not that unique. I know it. <laughs> I mean, I look at well, the I, I think you've described it well uh, many a time. Where uh, you know, really, what you're saying is, a lot of people go uh, get involved, thinking they're going to do some good, but if you're there long enough, you, you know, you either have to succumb to. Um, I, I, I don't have a better word than corruption. Uh, it may not be. You know, it may not be illegal corruption, but let's call it corruption anyway. Um, and you either succumb to the cor- uh, corruption or you leave. 
and uh, and I always remember the uh, words of um, Fred Thompson, who was an actor before he became a senator. I really liked him. When he decided not to run again, he, he said it was because he missed, on a relative basis, he missed the, uh, uh, the sincerity and authenticity of Hollywood after being in Washington for six years. Okay. Well, didn't he... Uh Unfortunately, didn't he have to retire? He had, he had to put off a presidential bid because he had cancer, didn't he? Um, you know, I don't know if he put it off because he had cancer or... Um, it, you know, I, I vaguely remember that. And, and he, he, you know, he was an interesting guy, but there was always the feeling that when he was running, he was running because people told him he should, not because he really wanted to. Um so I, I remember that overtone as well, which would suggest that maybe the cancer itself didn't relay, uh, derail his uh, candidacy, that he got treatment and did whatever because, uh, um, you know, he did uh, he did go back into acting. Yeah, but, but I, think he, I think it was treatable, but when the treating was happening, I think would, when he would have been having to do the presidential campaign, some... Some timing yeah, something thing. like that. I, I, I don't remember exactly time. I'd have to look at God, it. What is his greatest line? Um, God, I, I'm thinking I can I can paraphrase it, but what Hunt for Red October? If if somebody doesn't stop stop this crap, we're all going to die or something like that. Or this is gonna, oh, it's going to get out of hand. This is going to get out of hand. Remember when they when the the plane crashed on the uh, aircraft carrier deck? When when the, when the uh, they were so close to the Russians that the war was going to start. And, uh, and everybody's in the Atlantic looking for the submarine, the Russians and us together, all so close together. And all the planes are like flying next to each other, the Russian. <laughs> it was not a good thing. Uh, it was a great movie if anybody didn't see it. That's the last movie I ever saw in a movie theater, Kevin. Is it really? I went to, uh, we're still in the trading pit and we went over to the, God, was it the Esquire? Over in, uh, in Streeterville. It was the last big, huge screen theater in the city. That was going to be the last movie before they chopped it up into three smaller screens. So we saw the Hunt for Red October and the big, massive screen that they all were like when you and I were kids. Man, it was unbelievable because they had they had speakers all around you, and, and all of a sudden somebody came in behind the guy in the submarine, and the sound was behind you in the theater. Wow, it was it was it was, it was creepy. But that was the last film you saw in theaters with it. Yeah, what year was that? Ninety something. Wow. Still on the floor. Long ago, yeah. Long ago. Um, before I was around. Yeah, oh yeah, before before Matt. Um, so there's a a, uh, a do, and I was actually some of the people I was with in the last couple of days have put off their retirement, Kevin, because their four hundred one ks have drained so much. They're down like you know thirty percent. Nobody 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 gets to protect themselves with puts or calls in the four hundred one ks. I mean, you're, you're only. You're only, I, I must have talked to 10 people in the last year that had pushed up to a million and a half in a 401ks. And I said, you know, this market is getting real high here. I mean, uh, I mean, if, if, if I had your stuff, I would start protecting it with some puts, but you can't do that. And, uh, in, in here, I said, so you really going to have to go to cash. What do you mean? There's no, there's no money in cash. I know that, but there's no losing in cash either. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so I mean, I think a lot of people are really, really down and, uh, and some some people that are, are you know targeted stocks, like the Nvidia's in the world and things like that, are just God. What if you in this micro strategy? For God's sake, we actually one of the places I'm with, uh, we have a people with a few hundred shares of that stuff. It's not from a thousand to hundred and fifty. My God, I mean it's a. Uh, I get the. I'm going to say that. I'm going to get the exact numbers. But uh, I mean this is this is crazy stuff, Kevin. And and uh, 
So Robert tells me he was on uh, some committee, <clears throat> a roundtable, with a guy that had like billions of dollars of, uh, of uh, he must be one of the first buyers of Bitcoin or something. Of course, one of the biggest proponents of it. I won't, won't go into names, but uh, but uh, those guys are down what? <clears throat> I mean, I don't. Where, where do you think that thing goes? You know more about it than me. Well, I, it, when, when it, I, you know, Tom, I know a lot about blockchain, but I don't know a lot about uh, uh, cryptocurrencies because I, I just have not been interested in getting into them. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a very uneducated opinion on that. Uh, but I ultimately believe that you have to have, um, you know, for, for any currency to be successful, it has to have the full faith and credit of the um of a government backing it if it doesn't then you know it's it's just a an investment market it's like buying gold coins it's like buying you know anything else it's it's only as valuable as the consensus says it is and but uh, could you, uh, you know, that and that's fine you know if, if that's where you want to be then you know go for it but uh but it, it just doesn't seem like uh, a place where I want to park a lot of. Uh, I don't want to park a lot of money where uh, where it, it's it's the value is dependent on public opinion. Well, I don't. Uh, I, I I don't know. You know, let's leave leave that aside. I'm with you on that. But I'm I'm stunned at how when something new happens in this in, incredible race in this the, the world we live in, anything that sniffs like you might make a profit at it. All of a sudden is okay. I mean, the idea that Alibaba is listed on the New York Stock Exchange, I, I can't stomach to this day. Because, I mean, I, there was a time when, uh, if the companies didn't, if, if the shareholders, the common shareholders didn't have a vote, as most common shareholders are supposed to have, that you wouldn't, they wouldn't list you. I mean, if there was, you know, <clears throat> some, some principles in this world, I mean, it, and uh, not like you know, not like the world was way better 50 years ago, and we got help if you had a bad tooth or something like that. Um, but a you know, the idea that Alibaba, you don't own any assets, you can't vote, and you got a stream income coming out of Bermuda. I mean, I, the idea that that thing is even listed. Now, I'm not saying sell it or anything like that. But it, it's insanity to me. And I know at PTI, <clears throat> if you have a, an account here, you or anybody else. And by the way, a lot of people do. Um, and all of a sudden, you don't. Respond. I mean, I'm not in the back office part of it. My brother could tell you chapter and verse. If, I, if you don't respond for, you know, six months or we can't find you or whatever the hell it is, um, all of a sudden, I mean, RBC or IB is going to take your money and ship it to the, the treasurer's office. You, you're, you're lost. I mean, abandoned it, property. Like you know, it's abandoned. And, uh, you know, but, of course, as soon as they say that, we find the person. I mean, that type of thing. But there's been a few people that we, we haven't that have, that have gone there. I mean, over the course of how many years we've been in business, this whole idea that when you have this set of rules of this kind, all right, and you get and you're and you're so focused on one industry and how they're supposed to behave to people, and some there's some new crap like Bitcoin comes up. I mean, the thing I don't I mean, it may end up being worth a gazillion dollars someday. I don't know, but all I know is the idea that uh, oh, one of my good friends has a client that has a five million had five million dollars in Bitcoin. Somehow it gets hacked. It's gone. There's not even a phone to pick up and say, "Hey, where the hell's my Bitcoin?" This this idea that some you know some idiot walked out of the, the Kung Fu mansion with a big long beard and did this and wandered back up to let people make money for the rest of the world and not take a dime and nobody's in charge. I and mean, the idea that that you have uh, 
you know, thousand dollars in Bitcoin and and you can't hack in there. If this thing is not somehow that money doesn't go to the state, where does it? The idea that nobody's stealing it, that nobody. I mean, that hack of five million dollars is a crime. I, I challenge you to call any one of our law department law places and say, "Hey, somebody has stole five million of Bitcoin." So what? what what's that got? The, the fact that something can be so outside the rules that other people live by, I, I, I just can't stomach it. Kevin. I just can't. I mean, I think, think I just want to have the rules be the same for everybody. It's just I'm just a simple guy from the south side, and yet it's not the way the world thinks these days. Uh, it, it isn't, and again, as this as this pertains to Bitcoin, um, you know, I've said this all from the, from the privacy standpoint. There's this perception that Bitcoin is uh, is super private, and and it isn't. It's it, it's got a total record of every transaction uh, that goes through. The problem with it is, uh, you know, from a, a, an enforcement standpoint, is who do you subpoena to get the records? And you know it. it what what country has jurisdiction? What you know? There's there's a lot of those kind of questions. So yeah, when somebody's uh, you know when some of it gets stolen, um, you know where do you go for retribution on it? Where do you go for you know for any kind of justice on it? And I think you know those are open issues as well. Well, they're open issues, but the can't the answer can't be nowhere for a decade. Well, it seems to be for the time being. Yeah, I mean, I, but I. But is anybody? Is, you know, I, I look. I, I think that the the U.S. government will eventually um, roll out some kind of uh, uh, crypto, you know, dollar denominated uh, cryptocurrency. Um, in other words, basically, they'll they'll shift over to that same to blockchain technology on it, and uh, and it'll be a medium of exchange. And I, I think they will eventually. Um, I, I have no faith in, in their ability to uh, uh, to execute well. Uh, because I don't, can't think of very many things that the government executes very well. But on top of that, um, I think that's going to open a whole lot of privacy uh, cans of worms. Well, why now? Why? Because because now you do have the trail, and and it's real easy. I mean, the, the, the reason it's important in supply chains is because of of transparency, of your ability to see back through the whole thing. What uh, you know. If, if anybody can do that, anybody who, who has uh, access to a, a Bitcoin ledger is able to do that without, you know, a, a, any um, uh, legal protocol, then the government can do it too. And I, I think there's big issues there. Well, uh, just for one, if the reason for, or in some people's minds, for Bitcoin is to be able to do things that the government can't see, well, the, the idea of the government doing the same thing kind of makes no sense. And I, for one, don't want any system where every single transaction that everybody does countrywide, the government can see. I don't want cash. Yeah, and, and I agree with you on that. And yet, you know, just to demonstrate that Bitcoin doesn't provide that kind of protection, you may recall uh, a little over a year ago when the Colonial Pipeline got hacked, they were able to claw back a lot of the ransom that they paid um, because it is traceable. Well, someday it's got to pop. Someplace, somewhere, it's got to pop out of the system. I mean, even even if, I mean, I'm a luddite on this, but even even if, if say that say nobody can hack in, which I think you're telling me is wrong, nobody can hack in, and I I'll uh, never tell you you can't be hacked. <laughs> well, no, I don't. But right. I mean, what I'm saying is, if 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 all of a sudden Tesla <laughs> takes Bitcoin, okay, and I buy a Tesla and I got a bunch of Bitcoins, so I ship my Bitcoins. Well, that's fine if te- Tesla can buy tires, can buy fenders, can buy whatever the hell you buy for a 
batteries for for an electric car, and those people take Bitcoin. But someplace, somewhere, somebody's going to say, "I need cash," and it's going to squirt out somewhere. And, and where, it seems to me, wherever that is, you're, you're leaving the ether, even if there, if it is an ether, and somebody's going to be able to say, "Well, where'd you get this dough?" Right? I mean, I'm, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and uh, because now it it makes that ten thousand dollar threshold, perhaps. Uh, or whatever, yeah. I mean, it's, it, 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 it's you know, you you, you got to have a credit to an account out of Bitcoin. Somehow there has to be a, a way to jump across, and I'm sure there is now. Um, I just don't know what it is. Well, just you know, the little stuff. And I know the young people think I'm nuts, but <clears throat> we went last time. We went to series first, and one of the guys says, "Well, I'll buy at the uh, restaurant. I don't have any cash, so I threw some cash in. I don't. I don't need." I don't need the government to know I just did that. Somebody's going to say, "What's the difference? Let them look. I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't want them looking, Kevin. It's just me." If they're looking, yeah, well, and then they're going to come across and they're going to tell you, you know, "That's okay. We don't collect that kind of information. We just gather metadata." Yeah. Um, and uh, for those who who don't know, or if we want to do a quick refresher, metadata is data about the data. <laughs> Oh, well, let's, the let's, data is your dollar-denominated cash, uh, let's, uh, cash, trans- let's, cash transaction. Let's talk about that after the, the break. The data is that there was a transaction between you and the restaurant with your credit card. Right, or between, me and, the details. Or between me and Robert for the 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Now, S&P futures uh, up 39.50, NASDAQ futures up 155. It's nice seeing some green once in a while. Right, right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Are you listening to me? Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right now. 
Lone Wolf Bay Station Jacks, I'm Tom Matt Byrne on the board. SP futures of 41.50 now. NASA futures of 163. Dollop 222. So a strong morning. Uh, taking back, making back, yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll, we'll tell exactly. Yesterday, the S&P was down 123, so we're up a quarter of that. The Dow was down 741 for the third day this week. I think that we were down over 700 points. Ouch. Close under is 29,000, 29,927. NASDAQ was down 453, that was over 4%. Uh, 10,646. Uh, we're in Asia, we've got UK down 468, 1.8%. Hang Seng up 31, that's a whole full percent. Uh, Hang Seng up 229, that's a full percent. Um, so, mainland was doing okay, and, uh, UK not so good. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 165, 1.3%. These guys were all down yesterday. FTSE up 63.9%, Kakaron up 84, 1.4%. Bands, uh, down eight base, eight basis points at 3.21. Heading up to like 340, I think. Uh, Bund down three basis points, 1.6 cents. Six Japan, minus two, down to 0.22. So those guys still can't get up or go down, they're just stuck there. Um, oil is down 31 cents, 117.28. Brent down a dime, 119.71. Natural gas down two cents, 743. Now, now get a look at this. Our pop's down six cents. It's down to 389. Which has got to be 20 cents at least, maybe 25 from the high. And I don't see gas prices here in Chicago coming down at all. So, uh, that should, that should start to happen here at least a little bit. We've got gold down a buck 30, but it was a big move up yesterday, 1848. Silver down 4 cents, 21.84. Copper down 2 cents, 408. And crypto is hanging in here at 21,175. It's up 260. Dipped under 20,000 very briefly, but so far it's kind of making a stand here. We'll see if it really does for a long period of time or if it goes lower. Uh, this micro strategy I was telling everybody about was uh, $900 in November. Now it's 164 These are the guys with $5 billion worth of Bitcoin. Uh, ouch. Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic Weather Sports. Yeah, good morning. Currently 6.35 a.m. on Friday, June 17, 2022. I'll test you in the sports real quick. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs lose to San Diego Padres 4-6. to six. Today, Cubs are back at home at Wrigley Field against Atlanta. Catch that at 1.20 p.m. Central Time. White Sox are away at Houston and catch that 7.10 p.m. Uh, Central Time tonight. Uh, now for hockey, big news in hockey, Stanley Cup Final, Game 2 tomorrow, June 18th, and that's Tampa Bay Lightning versus Colorado Avalanches. So far, Colorado leads 1-2-0. Now for weather in Chicago, mostly cloudy, uh, currently uh, 72 degrees, a high of 88, and a low of 61. In Phoenix, mostly cloudy, high of, uh, high of 109 degrees, and a low of 84, currently 90 degrees. Now for traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Wolf Road and Harlem Avenue. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue and Foster Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between South LaSalle Street and the Jane Byrne Interchange. And finally, traffic northbound on Stevenson between Route 171 and South Dittman Avenue. Keep in mind, traf- uh, slow traffic on exit ramp 292, uh, that's north before I-94. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. We forgot the, the Boston Celtics losing to the Golden State. Is that right? Oh, you know, I, I, you know what? I assume that uh, Matt covered that earlier. If he didn't, no, it was last night. Was it now? Well, yeah. that's a that's egg so on not, my obviously face. Obviously, you're not a basketball dude, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's showing, it's showing. Well, that's all right. It was a uh, won six games. Uh, my buddies at the Tripoli Tap, the Boston Bar, uh, probably aren't as happy as if they got one more night out of it. But I think they milked this one pretty good, don't you think, Kevin? All, all the way to the end, pretty much. Yeah. 
The, uh, yeah, actually, you know, really good season, really good breakout for Boston, but, um, you know, the experienced uh, champions, um, you know, they, they had some fits and starts early in the series, but they, they kind of took over and never looked back. Yeah. So good for them. Uh, good for them. They did, uh, you know, it's an incredible team and kind of a team for the ages that had a, a core of, uh, of players, and uh, then they've had some other star players come and go. But, um, you know, Steph Curry is definitely, you know, a guy when you can have conversations about all-time greats, he's going to be one of them. Oh, yeah, and I I really think that uh, Steve Kerr is a, an outstanding coach. I think he's he, he's funny. I think he hangs with the guys well. I think he knows his basketball. He's, he's obviously studied under some of the best, Jackson and Bowman and all the other guys that were on the Bulls. And I think he, uh, he he's a, I think he's a good guy on top of it. And, uh Anyway, I'm, I'm happy for his ninth title between a player and a, and a coach. That's pretty good. It's it's living a, a life of championships. That's not not a bad way to go. I, uh, um, real quick, so he, let's see what else. Oh, the Cubs have lost what ten in a row now. Yeah, L.A. His best best interview ever, basketball coach. One of the young ladies uh, comes up after halftime, and uh, you know the team wasn't doing so hot in the first half, and she says, to him, "So, coach, what'd you say to the guys at halftime?" He goes. I said the same thing the coaches have said at halftime ever since I was like playing peewee ball. Don't turn it over. Find the open man. <laughs> the same the same crap you've told people forever. What else am I going to tell? And yet highly paid professional basketball players need to be reminded. Oh, God, yeah. Hey, I got a quick question. Uh, we're talking about the cover. Before I drop my, my memory here, when you start talking about this mega data, Kevin, uh, get metadata, my, metadata. All right. Well, it's it's a lot of it, so we can call it mega too, right? It, it, there is a lot of it. Yes, right, mega so, metadata. Say right, that five times. All right. Yeah. So, so what exactly? I'm, I'm going to zero this back into crime in Chicago uh, a couple of years ago when they had all these shootings on the expressway. Some firm, of course, you know, weasel his way into somebody. You know, I'm, I'm being accusatorial here, but whatever. Uh, and said, "Oh no, we really need her these." News cameras on the Dan Ryan, where we can we'll record like everybody's license plate like forever, all day long, and uh, and then we go, oh man, we we got to do that. So they, they, these guys within like three weeks, they install these things for God knows how much dough. Kevin, it hasn't made any difference at all to the shootings on the Ryan. It hasn't. It hasn't. I don't. I'm not at one police plaza, but uh, or that's New York. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, maybe it's helped a little bit. I don't know, but. It's not like every shooting now they know right away who the guy is and they're they're, they're grabbing them. I mean, wh- what do you do with a million bits of information on licenses and films for the last you know twenty four hours? What do you even do with it for the last two years? I mean, how do you? I mean, how many people do you have to hire just to watch the crap? Or what, what do you? Well, do it, it, yeah, but it isn't all about watching it now. There, you know, it's look when when you talk about the world of big data and. And so if you think of, you know, everything that gets stored out, out in all kinds of cloud storage and so on, there's, there's typical data that we all understand. Um, you, you know, you'll have account data on the, uh, that um, PTI will uh, track. And it's very structured. You know an account number. You know all the Social Security information, uh, the Social Security number, name, address, telephone, you know, all of that, plus the uh, very specific holdings, and it's all very structured. But when you go out to the world of, uh, of big data, there's this whole element of it that is not structured. So take, for example, a Facebook post or a tweet. You know, there's no structure to that. Everything's free form. 
and there are analytical tools that go through and they slice and dice that and they look for keywords and they look for all kinds of information and they organize it and try to put it into a more structured format and that's there's there's a whole analytics world that does that kind of stuff and it would be the same kind of thing with uh, with digitized uh, uh, camera data off of expressways. The problem is that it's expensive. So uh, I suppose if you know, you know, you have you have footage stored, um, and if you know exactly when to go look and what you're looking to find, then you can go through that and, you know, just select, you know, like you'd see on a TV crime show or something. Okay, let's let's go to this part, and then let's sit there for the next hour and just watch very closely and see what we see. Um, but, uh, but in general, the ability to sift through that is really done with, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't call it artificial intelligence, but a lot of software that does a lot of uh, extraction and parsing and things like that. And that's, that's what it's really built to do. And as, as it pertains to um, crime, I don't think they're very far down the curve on that. Well, so they, they used to say that if you were talking on your cell phone back in the day and you said something like, I'm going to assassinate the president or something like that, that immediately it would be heard and picked up. That they were really well, theoretically, when they say they're just storing the metadata, it's not going to be unless, you know, unless somebody has a, um, you know, a subpoena to get that. Now, I'm not telling you that that's not abused or anything like that, but the metadata part of it is just simply saying, Tom Howe made this phone call to Kevin O'Neill uh, at this time of day, it lasted this long, uh, and so on. But the data itself is our conversation, and theoretically, that is not gathered and stored. Um, so, uh, uh, so you know that that's the difference. The problem with it is, um, if if I, if I get a phone call every Tuesday from a psychiatrist's office, what do you know about me? Uh, you're going to see a psychiatrist. Yeah, I'm getting my weekly reminder call that it's yeah. time to go see a psychiatrist. If if I'm uh, if I were a woman and I got a call uh, from um, uh, from an OB, um, and and then within an hour I made a call to, um, you know, I start I, I, I got online and started uh, uh, crew, uh, you know, uh, browsing. Uh, um, uh, strollers, cribs, strollers, cribs or something. Yeah. Strollers, and 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 by the way, uh, you know, maybe I picked up the phone and called Planned Parenthood. What would you know about me? I think you're pregnant. You're going to be. I'm pregnant, and if I call Planned Parenthood, I'm probably considering an abortion. These are all things that you know that you can look and you can say, "Is that the government's business?" Because they have that much information about me. They don't know the contents of the phone call necessarily, but they know that much about me is that what you want the government gathering well if you call because now you get you have these same big data tools they can crunch away at some at more structured information like the metadata and they can t- they can create a great profile of anybody well i'm going to say that if you call planned parenthood 20 minutes after you're looking for a stroller we're talking about serious indecision here well yeah okay but that and, and that's what it's telling you and and you know whose business is that well i go back to uh um, I think it was the uh, was it Patriot Games Tom Clancy's book where the Irish they were looking for the Irish guys or something and they you know could you move a satellite over North Africa because that's where they thought they were camped out and and uh, James Earl Jones says well I can move a satellite there and I can get you a million pictures a day 
who the hell's going to look at him? So Jack Ryan had to go in and look at him himself because the guys were after him. So he and uh, maybe had a couple of helpers. They they went in and they got all these these photographs and they had to look at it them look at it themselves. I mean, I guess my point is, Kevin, is I mean, who who directs people to look at what? Who are the people? Who are they getting paid? Now, I mean, it, there's got to be a massive infrastructure for this stuff to do any good. Otherwise, and and who gets the subpoena? Yeah, I mean, I just uh, yeah. and, and what's the contents of the subpoena? There's a great clip from it's, it's a few years, several years old now. Um, Rand Paul during an interview, and he's talking about subpoenas, and he says, you know, a, a subpoena is somebody's name and specific timing on it. It is not a subpoena to Verizon for a bunch of phone records. There is no such person as Mr. Verizon. Well, yeah, I and, guess. and yet, and yet we have uh, you know FISA courts that will grant uh, uh, subpoenas to scan you know large swaths of uh, of, uh, of metadata and and ultimately to drill in on the uh, the phone call contents themselves. You know, about three years ago... They, they say they store it, but, you know, they can store everything and then use the metadata to uh, to zero in on what they want. The, uh, my, in my alley, uh, for those who don't know what an alley is, <laughs> uh, if you're not a city, city person, about three years ago, Kevin, for like a whole week, there was an AT&T van in the, in the back, in the alley... With wires hooked up to the phone lines, you know, in the alley, the, the traditional phone lines. Do you think that they were listening in on the phone of somebody on my block? I think they must have been. What else would they have been doing there? Yeah, don't know, Tom. I'd, I'd have to see, um, you know, what the setup was and such. But, but, but isn't that what you... That be happening? Sure. But isn't that what, what a regular cop and, 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 and it could, It's possible it was happening with legit subpoena, so I'm yeah. not oh, yeah. saying they're, they're all not. Uh, what I'm saying is the, the old the old phone lines, the old copper phone lines. That's what you had to do, right? You had to go get find the junction box going down the alley to my house, and you had to you had to put, basically put two clips in there and listen in, right? Sure, but the the technology is so much farther advanced now. Well, it, it is on the uh, on any kind of cell phones and stuff, but I mean, I I think on a copper landline, it might not be much more advanced. I think you still have to do that. I mean, Matt Weber says that if you have one of those really old. Credit card things that are hooked up to a copper landline—they're idiot proof. They never—they can't get hacked. Just goes right in their copper. Well, I—I I, I doubt that they're idiot proof, but yes, I agree. In fact, I, I used to have arguments with bank examiners on that all the time, uh, where I tell them, "Yeah, somebody want to tap into one of our lines out to our branches? That means they have to go out to a junction box. They have to go figure out which among all of those wires is RT one." And then they're going to have to tap into it. And just, you know, the probability of that is. You got to get a really smart guy to do that. Um, well, what do you make of uh, the market? Obviously, we're bouncing back here today, and that's a good thing. Um, we have stacks that, to me, can still go like a real lot further. I'm not going to name them, and some I think probably have got down. But we've given up, I think, roughly half of the rally since the COVID. Now I. I wouldn't be shocked at all, Kevin. I'm not wishing for it, of course, because I have clients. As a matter of fact, we're nice and long today, so it should be a good day. Uh, I don't. I'm not wishing that, but I don't. I'm not. A, I don't see why we couldn't give up the entire move up. And how many people? I mean, I I, I am stunned, and and the uh, the financial press is so quiet regarding um, margin calls and stuff, and how many. Pe- how many people are getting hurt? I mean, most most of the people probably we know have their 401k or their IRA, and they just 
have been talked into not doing any adjusting to it or whatsoever, and they're just they're just watching it go down. Well, that's that's not the best, but uh, it's you know it's um, it you know at least at least then you don't you're not forced to sell anything because they're saying hey send me some money. But I think it's having an effect for the for the Fed because when margin calls, and I've talked a whole bunch of times, and I'm going to go through it again about how money can be created it just by in our system by just regular people and banks. And that's why the Fed has to maintain the level of water in the pool when things are growing too, because they can grow too fast or they go down too little. But and I mentioned that if 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 I, for instance, dropped a million dollars in the bank and you and Matt walked in afterward with the idea of building a hot dog stand and borrowed eight hundred thousand, well, they can do that because I got the million in there, and now you put that eight hundred thousand in your own checking account. Well, now the money supply is a million eight, right? Because instead of a million, because. I can I can write a check for a million and you can write a check for eight hundred thousand. Well, the same thing happens the other way if business is getting lousy. So if they if they call you up, if PTI calls you up and say, Hey Kevin, remember the fifty grand you gave us for the hundred thousand dollars worth of IBM? Well now that's below thirty percent value. We either gotta sell some of your IBM or you gotta send us a check. So okay, no, you say eh, no problem. I'll send you a check. So you send us a check for ten grand, which p- people do. We don't very rarely have people on margin. They get a margin call, but it has happened. Somebody sends a check for ten grand. Now it's coming out of your bank account and it's paying off a margin loan. That's the exact opposite transaction of what we just did with my million dollars and you with your eight hundred thousand. So now the money supply has essentially dropped by ten grand because you paid off a loan. So you could be in a situation where if there's massive margin calls, uh, that the Fed actually, to maintain the water in the pool, is going to have to add money instead of pull it out, which is what they're telling everybody they're going to do. And they might have to actually add if, if this carnage in the market gets much worse. And, and if all, for instance, if, if MicroStrategy does have a massive market, margin call in, in Bitcoin, which is the rumor at 20000 and they all of a sudden have to send some billion-dollar check to somebody. That that's that's going to come out of the system. I mean, it's I think the the lack of understanding of the system. You know, and I don't begin to understand the whole thing. I mean, Robert could go through it from top to bottom. That's how this all works. But it's pretty complicated, Kevin, and, it, and it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, so. But I also so from a policy standpoint, if that comes to pass, what what will they have to do? They're going to have to add money, add, add reserve. The rates play, yeah, but how are they going to go about adding? Uh, same thing they always do. They want they buy bonds, create money, and buy bonds. At what price? Well, wherever they're trading, they just buy money open market. Yeah, they have to add money but into the system if the if it starts to drain too fast. But will they not be? Will they not be more expensive now than they have been in recent history? Oh, well, there's no doubt. The, the interest rates on government bonds are going up. That's a big problem. What's that, what's that going to do to the federal budget? Uh, uh, every every percentage point is three hundred billion dollars. Yeah. That's a real number. Hey, uh, I'm going to run this by here. There's a a uh, article here by, of course, I'm critiquing here, uh, which I love to do. Jeff Cox, who I actually really like, and his, his his stuff is pretty good. But he also has been when he, you know, I, I guess I would have to be co-opted a little bit if I wrote an article and they published me on CNBC. I, I, I probably couldn't be my old self, or else they wouldn't publish it. But uh, He's talking about the three big inputs for the consumer price index, most widely and followed inflation matter, food, energy, and shelter. Um, they combine and make up about 54% of the CPI. And first of all, Kevin, is sort that of true? the earth, wind, and fire of the CPI. Yeah, no, is, is that true? 
Or should it be true? Let's put it that way. I'll re- rephrase. Should, should it be true? So we said we said fuel, food, and shelter. Yeah. Yeah. What else would What else would be in there? Well, um, we've talked a bunch of times, especially with Carl, the the the, 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 the dirty secret of the CPI for the last twenty five years, and why. These guys are able to tell you that there's no, there has been no inflation up until this year, which is all BS. Is they have medical stuff uh, at six percent of the economy, and it's twenty. That's, yeah, totally underbalanced that's on that. The, that's the that's the total big fat lie. And I, and I will say that they have here is energy is a is a real big thing. I'm going to say, Kevin, even me with my suburban, which doesn't get a whole lot of good mileage. I'm going to say that if the the PTI paying for my health insurance, it's got to be two grand a month. Easy. And that's with me having a deductible and everything else. All right, so that's 24 grand a year plus the deductibles and, and co pays and all the other crap that I have to do. Tell me how I'm spending more in gas than I am for that. I don't give a crap if I drive from morning till night, unless I'm an over the road truck. Well, I, 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 I think there's one difference, Tom. In, in it doesn't. It doesn't mean it's not a substantial factor because it is. But the other three, you have to use on a daily basis. Healthcare, whether it's in the form of insurance, because there's a lot of people who don't have it, or whether it is the actual use of healthcare services. Not everybody does that every single day, um, and so there is a large swath of the population that is not affected by that. And there's another large swath of the, swath of the uh, population that is seriously affected by it. Oh, and you're going to have, the, the, I don't have the statistics in front of me, I've never yet heard of anybody who had to declare bankruptcy because they're filling up their tank. And how many people have to declare bankruptcy because they have a they have a medical expense that just, you know, overwhelms them, whether it's an emergency room visit or yeah, whatever. Yeah, they just can't afford to pay. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're not even on the same planet. So why why even at this day are we still ignoring the, the gorilla in the room? Is it because these people are so powerful they don't want us to know, or what? Or is it because... because healthcare is a political issue, and, uh, and no matter how you propose to address healthcare issues for people, um, that there there is an advantage towards it being a... Um, considered a relatively lower cost. Um, so you, sometimes you want to say it's burying people, and other times you want to say, you know, depending on, on the political the way the political wind is blowing, other times you want to say we have it under control. Well, why are people, even met my nephew and I had this big, I won't say discussion, it was more of an argument. He's absolutely convinced that, I said, you know, if, if they're paying twenty four grand a year for your health insurance, it affects you because if if they weren't, you, you'd be making the money. And his point was, they'd never give you the money, so what difference does it make? And I'm like, not sure where that logic comes from, but... Uh, well, there there was a, a feeling, you know, and, and we have monkeyed around with Obamacare for a long time, but the design of it was um, that, uh, that year by year, more uh, corporate plans would fall into the category of a Cadillac plan, and that the tax on that that companies would have to pay would force them instead to just gross up their people and send them out to the exchanges so that they would, you know, if, if you're going to eliminate the benefit altogether. I mean, that was the plan. There, there was there's actually documented discussion about that.
own health insurance, uh, that it would be taxable income, so there would be a tax windfall for the government. Well, the, the idea that it's it's deductible for a firm and not deductible for you is insane to start with. But I will say this: even though uh, you know when you, when you get involved in these discussions, um, even from even from like your nephews, you can learn stuff, Kevin. And and he said to me, because my nephew's not a dummy; he's, good, he's a smart kid. He says, "Well, tell me this: when's the last time you walked in and got a job?" And they said, okay, we'll pay you 150 grand a year, plus we'll pay care of all your health care and all this stuff. And you say, uh, well, you don't have to do that. My wife's a judge. I'm already covered. And they say, well, then that's fine. We'll give you another 25 grand on your salary. He goes, that never happens. And you know what? He's right about that. He is right about that. When you, you would think that economically, they, the firm would be, they don't care if they pay me 200 grand a year plus 25 to, to hospitalization or 225. But that's not the way they think either, which is sort of weird to me. So I don't know if I won this argument or not. I just was in it. Just saying. So, I mean, it is, it is kind of interesting. The, the entire way the thing is thought about is kind of flawed to me, isn't it? But that's why it doesn't well, it, get in, it does. I've believed all along that we need to uncouple, uncouple uh, health insurance from work. Period. Well, that doesn't mean you can't get a group plan somewhere, but you need it needs to be on. Uh, it needs if people want to get into group plans, it needs to come uh, with a plan that is not as transient as work. Cause, well, you know, there's only one way to do that, work Kevin. For work plans, there's only one way to do that. It's it's to to make the hospitalization given to somebody at work not tax deductible, which would go over like the stink bomb in church, or to give regular people. The ability to deduct their health insurance from their from whatever they make as an independent contractor or whatever, and nobody wants to do that, right? Uh, you know, and and you could do that by allowing people to uh, pay for pay health insurances uh, health insurance out of the HSA, because then you could just fund the HSA, right. and people could buy their own uh, you know health insurance, whether it be a group plan through a different affiliation. Uh, or whether it just be their own personal health insurance um, that they, you know, they can fund just like you can, uh, you know, fund your HSA for other health expenses, um, like your, you know, pay the parts that's not covered for your by your plan and for your deductible, etc. And that would make sense. And then, then on top of that, you can say, okay, the way I am going to handle poor people is not going to be Medicaid. It is going to be they get HSAs too, and we fund their HSAs, and they buy whatever health insurance they have, so that it remains in in force if they get off of the uh, the off of the rolls that uh, that have them, uh, you know, qualified for Medicaid now. Um, and that would be mean the government is giving up control over those people's lives, which would be an extra added benefit as far oh, as yeah. I'm concerned. All right, but Kevin, then, take- you know, that, I mean that that seems to make a lot more sense to me. And think of all the administrative uh, expense and hassle um, that we would be uh, killing in uh, from the government. Uh, so you're, you're right; it's never going to happen. By the way, are you going uh, to the game tonight? Are you I going into the office? No. I you, I, First of all, uh, I, I either take Thursday or Friday off because I'm, I'm not on a full contract in the summer. Um, are you? I th- are you I, in Omaha? Pardon? Are you in Omaha? No. Oh, I thought you were. Oh, you see, I no, 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 no. Didn't go to Omaha. Oh, I was right. on tonight, though, at, on ESPN. Yeah, I almost should tell you to call me at 9 wake me up, because I'll probably be asleep in front of the TV. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, I can do that, especially if the game's close. I can I can stir you up. All right, but, bud. So, uh, I, I am not going to Omaha. Uh, I am. I may be painting the porch this week. Oh God, there's there's Again. a different. Should I go to Omaha? Or should I paint the porch? Take care of yourself. As we view up thirty three, Nancy views up one thirty. We'll be right back, uh, Mr. Carl Denninger. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. I am the smartest man alive! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. One, two, three, four. <laughs> One, two. Let me tell you how it will be. 
Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom I'm Ed Byrne on the board with some wild stuff. Was that guy yelling that the, uh, he's the smartest man alive? Was that Carl? <laughs> that or Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler. You know, <laughs> uh, my ears were ringing. <laughs> How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I tell you, this is a uh, this market stuff. Uh, by the way, fifty four percent. I just for grins and giggles while you were talking, pulled up the current CPI and summed up the weightings of those three categories, and it's slightly overstated. Uh, and the reason it's slightly overstated is because nobody, well, no ordinary schlub, both buys and rents their primary residence. Right. Okay, I mean, you either you either buy or rent it. So, but when it comes to to um, you know energy resources, um, you know we do do both, right? I mean, you know, you do use you you use indirectly some fuel oil because that's diesel. You do indirectly use gasoline or directly. Um, you know, I mean, so, uh, you know, piped gas, if you have uh, natural gas at your house, well, you know, okay, there you go. Uh, I, I guess the one exception in there would be bottled gas and piped gas. You typically don't, both, you don't use both of those. I have a question. You, you know more about this than why. Is, is propane a, a, an oil product or a natural gas product? Um, well, <laughs> okay, it's a little complicated. Pro- propane is is actually um, a, I guess you could call it a fractionalization. It's it is a separate petro- petroleum product. It, uh, it it is it is a very interesting substance because uh, you know it is the heating and cooking fuel for most people who do not have natural gas available and live in a place that gets cold. And the reason is because it liquefies at atmospheric uh, temperatures that are reasonable. So under reasonable degrees of pressure, it's a liquid. Natural gas is methane almost exclusively. Almost almost all of what is in the pipe that comes into your house is methane. And in order to turn methane into a liquid, it has to be at cryogenic temperatures. So you can't stick a tank full of it that has a reasonable amount of energy density in your backyard and run your furnace off of it because the the amount of pressure that you would have to maintain in order to get a reasonable volume is just ridiculous. But does a propane come out of a refinery, I guess is my question. No, no, it's it comes off wells. Okay. Right. So it's and and this is part of the this is part of the brouhaha with line five and uh, and all this stuff that's going on in northern part of Michigan, uh, because the one of the things that gets shipped up there is propane through that pipe, and the um, the issue with turning it off. Um, and and to be fair, the folks in Michigan who are screaming about it, and the and the environmentalists have been doing it for a long time. Uh, there are other things that are put through that pipe, including some crude. And the, vast, the majority of what goes in that pipe at one end ends up in Canada. So it comes out of Canada, it ends up in Canada, but not all of it. Some of it is used and consumed in the United States. And, and the, the issue there that people have with, uh, you know, with the possibility of environmental pollution if there was a break, uh, in the context of propane, it's nonsense because it would all boil off into the atmosphere and do nothing. 
um, in the context of, of crude and other, uh, you know, other distillate products. You know, they're, yeah, okay, I mean, you know, crude oil spills are bad, right? So uh, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of BS that gets mixed in, but what's, what's not funny is if you happen to be one of the people who lives in, you know, in the parts of the state uh, that are serviced by, uh, you know, by the propane coming out of that pipe, how are you going to get the propane? Yeah, you're not. It's a... Well, well, you you might, but if it's got to be trucked in, believe me, if you think it was expensive, if you think it's expensive now, go ahead and add the cost of trucking it as opposed to shoving it down a pipeline to the price. How come people will 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 go out of out of line uh, and, and make it their whole life's work that something might spill and kill somebody someday? And if they drive ninety miles an hour and they get pulled over. Where you could kill somebody that day, they're they're personally affronted by it. You know, I, I have I have we we as people are terrible at analyzing risks that have small percentage odds. Okay, we're, we're just awful at doing it. I, we we currently don't have a sustainable nuclear infrastructure in the United States. Because Jimmy Carter and, to some extent, her, uh, Ford before him, uh, both decided that there was no possible way that the American public could successfully run a safe nuclear civilian energy program, and Carter was especially convinced of it. He shut down reprocessing, and by executive order, there were a number of companies that were doing it at the time. They saw their multi-billion-dollar investments turned into smoke with the stroke of a pen. And even though that decision was later reversed by Reagan, there is there are no commercial reprocessing plants in the United States. And if you think about it, you think about the stupidity of this. You know, everybody that that pays any attention to the fuel cycle knows that we have a problem right now, and we've had a problem for the last thirty years with the spent fuel that goes into power reactors. There's nowhere to put it. Okay, and it's extremely dangerous, and it will be extremely dangerous for a hundred thousand years. And the odds that we can actually successfully contain something for a hundred thousand years is not very good. Is this the stuff we're trying we, to put out in a Yucca Mountain yet nobody wanted to transform by rail to get it out there? Well, it's also yeah, and, and Yucca Mountain. The problem is, you know, you're you're basically claiming that you understand the geology and and risks there sufficiently that you know that nothing bad's going to happen over geologic time frames which is uh to boy oh boy is that arrogance um so but here's the thing chief if you think about where that stuff came out of okay the it came out of an operating nuclear reactor yeah, oh, yeah. okay where it obviously has to stay safely otherwise very bad things happen to people okay so where would be the logical place to put it back uh, back in the reactor, charged up again. Well, it doesn't charge it up, but the more it gets irradiated by the neutron flux, the more those high-level wastes that are dangerous for 100,000 years get broken down into lower-level wastes that are only dangerous for a couple hundred years. We can probably do something from an engineering perspective that's stable for a couple hundred years. I think I think we reasonably can expect that our technology is capable of achieving that. 100,000 years, I I don't believe. Uh, just simply because that's you know that's beyond human experience. Well, what are the other people doing about this? I mean, French have reactors, the Russians. Uh, I mean, I mean, everybody else must have this. Are the are the, the French develop a feeder breeder feeder, whatever they call? Them? 
Well, everybody did originally. I mean, that was that was the entire premise. The, the dual-use nature of civilian nuclear power is why we went the direction we did. It was stupid. But we did it because we essentially got to offload most of the costs of nuclear weapons into the civilian sector. And so we buried those, and the military complex did not have to show all of that on their budget and bear those costs as a, you know, as a direct thing. Um, I, I think that was dumb because we stayed away from uh, civilian nuclear power technologies that were vastly superior from a from an operational and a thermodynamic perspective, one of them being liquid fluoride salts. Uh, we know they work because we built one at ORNL here in Tennessee. Uh, in fact, I, I had a relative that did some work on it. And uh, it, even leaving aside the, I mean, and there's engineering challenges still to be solved because the pilot work was done and then it, it was not pursued. But the reason it wasn't pursued is because the fuel cycle that it used was not amenable to making explosives. So you couldn't use it to make bombs, at least not reasonably. And so uh, we shelved it in favor of the fuel cycle we use today. But yeah, there's, there is a problem all over the world. Um, Japan was trying to have a closed cycle. That's why they had, uh, they had uh, their, uh, their Mandu reactor, which is a, a fast breeder. And you have to have a mix of different kinds of nuclear reactors uh, along with the reprocessing plants in order to do that because you need to have the fuel, which you breed from inert uranium, U-238, into plutonium. That gets put back into the fuel pins along with the waste. Only 5% of what's in a fuel pin in a civilian reactor is active. The rest is inert. And so rather than sticking things that are worthless in there to fill the space, you stick the waste in there that has been produced by running the reactor at an earlier time, and you burn it up. And that's an intelligent thing to do because you've already got a very dangerous place. It's In fact, it's the same dangerous place the stuff came out of in the first place. Put it back in there and neutralize it over the course of several cycles. But to do that, you have to be recycling the stuff so that as it becomes less dangerous, you separate it out of the stream. The more dangerous stuff goes back into the fuel pin for the next fuel load and gets burned up over time. We, we shut all that down, and, and it has not been restarted four years later. And the, re- the reason I, I bring it up today is because this is exactly what Joe Biden did as soon as he came into office with regards to fossil fuels, specifically oil and natural gas. And it is why you now have $5-plus gas prices. Well, and anybody that thinks that the, that the energy industry, having had this done to them, is going to turn around and restart their capital investment. Realize that when you build an oil refinery to make gasoline, diesel, fuel, and all the other nice stuff that we like to use and we need to use, and if you don't want $6 gas prices forever, that capacity has to be brought back online. That has a 30- or 40-year amortization schedule during which that cost has to be recovered. Well, guess what? California just said there are going to be no new internal combustion engine vehicles allowed to be sold in the state uh, about 12 years from now. All right, uh, let's back up a hair on that because I had a, a thing. <laughs> this guy was a, a, a ridiculously anti-Trumper, you could tell by his language, but that doesn't mean that what he said wasn't maybe maybe true. He was talking about the, the one of the dumbest decisions that currently that any president's made. Now, we could go through a whole list of those. Was, and I don't really remember this, Carl. Uh, uh, Lou sort of did. Uh, that in the Trump administration, 
when when this to me when this all started uh, back in uh, right, right around 2018 with the oil where they dropped uh, Russia and who knows if they got together on the phone or the bar God knows what but they they essentially increased their production dramatically to put well allegedly to put the frackers out of business and that's when we went down to thirty dollar a barrel oil and the futures traded negative and blah blah blah, blah. right and uh, that uh, allegedly Trump uh, threatened the Saudis uh, with cutting off arms shipments if they didn't drop their production by twenty five percent and that is, is really sort of the time you know it's good to save our frackers essentially and this is all about the same time when these the rigs here and I'm looking at the numbers here uh, I, I got my rig page here uh, uh, right uh, in, in 2018, we topped out at uh, 1,077 rigs. And then in 2019, when the prices started to go, uh, when they were when the prices were going down, these things dropped pretty much dramatically to a, to a low in 2020 of like 250. And now we're creeping up 2025 a month, which, if you look back, this goes all the way back to 1970-something. It looks like we used to be able to, to build... When, and when the prices were going up, I mean, this is not the first time there's been boom and bust in this industry. It happens all the time. Well, well, of course, it's, that's that's a cyclical thing that yeah. happens all the time. But it used to be that we would, in times when we were trying to build up, we were building up 50 rigs a month instead of the 2025 we are doing now. So there's there's some response, and I think what you're saying is, I mean, I, and I would absolutely 100% agree, but I'm not supposed to do that with you, uh, uh, that... Administrative policies and lack of certainty going forward in terms of uh, regulatory and everything is probably causing the ramp up here to be twenty five a month instead of the fifty it ought to be. It's not like it's zero. I mean, they're, they're doing something, right? But it, but it's 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 slower than it would or ordinarily be. And uh, I don't know if you listened to it, you probably did. But Dan Janitas was on for an hour yesterday, which he isn't normally. So Dan's a terrific guy. But we we, we talked a lot about bonds and things because that's what he does. But also, we started talking about the economy, and he's a pretty good economy, different, different point of view than you or I, but real bright guy. And I asked myself, Dan, have you ever, ever even not just heard it, seen it in your lifetime, but read about it? Because he reads, not only reads as much as you, but maybe reads as much as me. But it's the, you know, have you ever seen anything kind of so screwed up where there's, you would think that there's a shortage in, tampons or something. And then you look at the tampon industry, and I haven't done this yet, but or baby formula. And you say, wait a minute, there's only four manufacturers and the government's got their ass in the right. side. And then you look, I got, without even looking, I mean, um, somebody was mentioned the other day that women's products and tampons are, I, I just, I have a feeling, I can't guarantee it, that if I look into that industry, I'll find out there's three or four, or they were important from China, or some BS. And, and somehow we got, we had a president who says we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna bleep China. Okay, well, I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. By the way, I, I mean, I, all the stuff they're doing over there. I mean, I, I, I. We had the people on here from the Uyghurs and whatever. I, I'm appalled by it. But, but I also know before I did something like that, I would want you and a bunch of other people on the show, and maybe some other people from academia. Let's go to Camp David for the weekend. If I make this decision, what am I screwing up? Well, first thing I'm going to say is you're never going to have a backyard swimming pool because they're only made in China. I mean, there's a list of stuff. That, that if we cut it off, we got a problem. Now all of a sudden, you don't know whether you're going to open the spigot back up again or not. So the normal U.S. response, which is your normally the economy responds very rapidly. Oh my God, those guys don't have ten penny nails. 
There's a building over there. I could be making ten penny nails in two months and sell them. That's the American way. Somehow we've we've stuck a knife in that, or we've we've or we've thrown sand into the gears. We've done something. We're not responding normally in virtually any area that we normally would. We've seen mortgage rates go from uh, you know three to six in a quarter in like four months. And yet you go in a bank, you're still not getting a dime on your savings. I mean, so right. there's some. The whole thing seems to be not reacting like it's supposed to. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, it, there, there, there's something wrong. <laughs> Some, what, what does the song say? There's something wrong here. It isn't exactly clear. People are kind of afraid to do anything because there's industries that are controlled by people. They're just going to buy you out. They're not going to let you in. You won't be able to get into the Walmart because they only have two different kinds of shave cream and you're the third. I mean, somehow or another... We got this all bleeped up, and, and I don't. I don't even know. I, I blame Biden. I blame Trump. But I'm not so sure. I, I could tell you the first thing to do to fix it either. Well, so <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it's it's funny. One of the articles I'm working on this morning, it's going to show up sometime over the weekend, um, is that to a large degree, what you have right now is a confluence of factors. It's not. It's not one thing. Okay. So anybody that's looking for a simple answer to the question, you know, who screwed the pooch, you, you, you got a list, right? It's a very long list. The better question is who didn't screw the pooch. Uh, that one I could probably actually identify because there's not very many people on that one. Uh, but when you look at the, when, and, and by the way, one of, one of the major elements here is this entire ESG thing that has been going on. Uh, the last several years, which, by the way, is a criminal felony cartel. Let's let's just, let's call it what it is. It's a cartel. It's illegal under 15 United States Code, Chapter One. And for those people who think it's not, go read 15 USC. All right, tell everybody what the ES- explain everybody what the ESG is thing. Okay, ESG is environmental sustainability and governance. Okay, all of which are external costs, right? Um, if I'm going to to beyond the requirements of the law, impose an environmental uh, in, uh, set of rules on a corporation, I'm going to raise their cost of operating. If beyond the requirements of the law, I'm going to impose sustainability requirements on a corporation, again beyond the law that everybody has to follow, I'm imposing costs on that corporation. If I am telling people they must hire a certain number of women, black people, gay people, whatever, on their board, and they must play some some sort of game, instead of hiring the most capable, most competent people without regard to anything, with, you know, I don't care if you're black, white, green, blue, or Martian, I'm imposing a cost upon a corporation. Now, if I have to follow, now, if everybody's got to play by the same rules because we have, through our representative process, passed a set of laws. That's a different thing, okay? I'm talking about externally imposed costs across fields, across lines of business, in both a vertical and a horizontal method, by an external force that is not a law. That's illegal, and it has been illegal for over a hundred years. Sherman and Clayton Acts were passed starting in eighteen ninety. It is not a fine; it is a felony. You do ten years in prison for each person involved in it. All right, but here's where 
Here, right, here's here's where I'm going to be the modernist, and you just 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 for for argumentative sake, um, you're you're how can I put this politically correctly? You're you're a knucklehead like me. You 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 you've not embraced whosever vision of this world is. And I don't know who the hell they are because I'm I'm with you. I want to find them and squash them or something with them. You have not embraced this new world thing where you you push this this cost onto the public schools, for instance. I yep. So so, so what? You raise the taxes. You you put this this cost on the Commonwealth Edison. Who gives a bleep? They just raise the well. No, well, now, now wait a minute. Now there's but again, if I do this, and and this is this is why I make a stink about this. If if you manage to pull this off in say for example the schools that is that that is number one a public work number two it's subject to the public turning around saying I don't think so and doing something about it okay but so hear me out for a but second now here's the thing we're not talking about that why is it right, let's let's take for example the oil industry okay um and you know, you know, of course, we all we all use gasoline, we all use or and or natural gas. Whether we use it direct diesel, whether we use it directly or indirectly, every single thing that you buy in a store makes that last mile of delivery by truck. All of it. I don't care what it is. And and you know, if you get on if you get on mass transit, you get on a bus in Chicago. Guess what? Guess what's in the tank of the bus, right? So. <laughs> So here's the thing. Why would not Exxon, Shell, Chevron, one of these companies, tell the Black Rocks and the vanguards of the world, bite me when it comes to ESG, okay? We're not going to play your game. We're not going to do this because... That's another fifty cents a gallon on the price of our product. Well, We're going to be the cheap guy yeah, selling the gas for four fifty when the other guy down the street's five dollars. Okay, and we're going to put him out of business. Well, I'm, I'm, we're going to put all those five dollar people out of business. We're going to own the market. Yeah. And we're going to do it the way that you're supposed to do it, which is by being better, faster, and cheaper. Well, I, here's where I'm going with this. I mean, I, we're on, we're on two different chessboards here, and I think we're both making a point. But what I'm saying is, the people who come up with this idea are in government if if you want to give oh God, I'll make it a sexist shot here if you want to give the young lady who has a baby which of course you know we all were babies once so it's nice we had mothers so it's, no, I'm not taking a shot at mothers if you want to give the lady who had the baby you know four years off with full pay uh, that's fine but it, imp- it implies one thing A, you got enough people around to cover for her which means right. like a government office where you can have four weeks vacation and nobody gets a phone call because nobody does anything when they're there. It's a little harsh. Uh, or you're a quasi-government place where you're loaded to the max with people because uh, every person you put on increases your cost and increases the price. So throw Commonwealth Edison, people's gas, in those kinds of places. It's also really easy to do to the four people who make infant formula because there's only four of them and it's a cartel anyway. So, every, well, but that's but see that's that's chief that's the entire point. Well, it's my okay. point too. I'm saying at my end, your end, you know, whatever business you had uh, or PTI Securities 
we don't have <laughs> if we got if we have somebody who's not going to be here for like three years because we're raising a kid. Well, we got to replace them. I mean, it's not like we have fifteen other people looking for something to do. It's I mean, it's a, it's that's why it's very hard, almost impossible, to be a small business today, and that's why. Well, yeah, well, yeah but but I mean, think about this. If I had, you know, if I at our biggest, I think we had thirty thirty five on payroll. So you weren't near, you, yeah, you weren't near the spot yet where if somebody left for six months, you wouldn't miss them. Oh, good God! I had okay. you know I had a floor manager on the customer service side. If Liz was out, I had a problem. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, if if Liz turned around and said, "Oh, by the way, I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'm going to go poop out a kid here," and uh, and and you know, I'm taking twelve months worth of leave to you know to do that. Uh, excuse me, you're doing what? <laughs> you know. I mean, and, and, and the thing is that. So what what would be the answer to that? Well, I'd have to hire somebody who didn't have her knowledge, didn't have her experience. She started as a clerk, yeah, making nine bucks an hour. Okay, she knew that company and and how it worked and how the the nuts and bolts of the floor and customer service within the organization. She knew it inside and out because she was one of the first people that had ever been hired there, and and had had no formal credentials to show, you know, to get to get that kind of a job. Um, but she worked her way up, just like people used to do back when you know, back in the day when this actually meant something. I, I couldn't have replaced her for for you know, good God, it would have taken six months to get somebody that was even minimally competent in what she did without even thinking about it. Hey, Kyle, we got to go to break. We come back. I want to talk a little bit more about the the labor numbers last week. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit, a couple of stories in that regard. SP Futures still up 34. Wow, we're hanging in here. Normally we're leaking by now lately, but we're not. Uh, NASDAQ Futures up 133. Maybe we'll actually stay up. Uh, be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Blow it face, Stacks and Jacks. Time, time how? At burn on the board, S&P futures, actually up, well, 30, 30.75. We've strapped a couple of points. NASDAQ futures up 120. We've got, let me refresh here. We'll get the, the current Dow. Uh, pretty much everything's up in the Dow. The only one I have down is Dow, down 32 cents. The other, the, all the rest are all green. Uh, Dow futures up 235. This is a review from yesterday, so you can put this sort of in perspective. Yesterday the Dow was down 741, so we're down a third, we're back a third of that. A little more, a little less than a third. S&P was down 123, so we're up 33, so that's like a quarter. NASDAQ was down 450 and it's up 117, so about a quarter. So we're, we're, we're bouncing, but it's not, it's not a Fibonacci, uh, bounce of any, of any stretch here. Nikkei down 468, 1.8%. Shanghai, uh, we're up 31, that's a full percent. Hang Seng up 229, 1%. Is the mainland is varying off from uh, Nikkei here, and they have been doing a lot of that lately. They've been trading different directions. Uh, we're in Europe. DAX up 171. These guys were all down yesterday. Uh, DAX up 171, 1.3%. FTSE up 81, 1.1. CAC around up 61. What's a full 1%? Bonds uh, down 8 uh, basis points to 3.22. They'd run up the last couple of days. Uh, Bund down 3 basis points, 1.66. Japan down 2 basis points to 0.22. It's like the lower end of the range, which is crazy. Uh, oil, uh, down 46 cents, 117.13. Brent down 19 cents, 119.62. Natural gas down 14 cents, 732. Arbob down another 8 cents, 387. If it keeps dropping here, we might actually see a little bit of relief at the pump. Surprised we haven't seen some yet. Gold up 20 cents, silver down 5 cents, copper down 3 cents. Not much going on here after a big update yesterday. Uh, crypto, which is everybody's watching. We've got Bitcoin now down 11, $11 at 20,904. Somewhere in here, there's there's margin problems for a couple of firms. That's the rumor. Uh, maybe Carl can opine on that. But uh, if this thing goes under much under twenty thousand, it might not be a good thing. Uh, well, it's not a good thing here if you if you're long it at sixty three. Matt, what do you got for us? Uh, traffic, weather, sports. Yeah, good morning. Currently seven thirty five a.m. on Friday, June seventeenth, twenty twenty two. In sports, so uh, missed this earlier, but the NBA Finals last night, Game Six, Warriors take out Celtics, 103 to 90, and win the series. Uh, four games to Boston's two. Gold, uh, that's Mark's uh, Golden State's fourth NBA title. 
Uh, in MLB yesterday, Cubs lose to San Diego Padres 4-6. Uh, today, the Cubs are back home at Wrigley Field against Atlanta. That's 1.20 p.m. Central Time. Uh, White Sox away at Houston, 7-10 uh, p.m. Central Time. Uh, now for uh, hockey, uh, that's tom- uh, tomorrow, Stanley Cup Final, Game 2 tomorrow, uh, June 18th. Uh, that's Tampa Bay Lightning versus Colorado Avalanches. So far, Colorado leads 1-2-0. In weather, Chicago, mostly cloudy, currently 75 degrees, a high of 88, and a low of 61. In Phoenix, mostly cloudy, 90 degrees, a high of 109 degrees, and a low of 84. Now for traffic in Chicago, traffic, uh, uh, light traffic eastbound Eisenhower between Cicero Avenue all the way to downtown. Again, light traffic westbound Eisenhower between Laramie Avenue and 1st Avenue. Uh, again, light traffic eastbound Kennedy uh, between East Ohio Street and the ramp 290 East. Traffic westbound the Kennedy between Lawrence Avenue and Harlem Avenue. Traffic westbound the Dan Ryan between uh, South the South Street and the Jane Byrne Interchange. And finally, traffic northbound Stevenson between Route 171 and South Kedzie Avenue. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. It's not exactly all. We got the Irish coming off the biggest upset in, <laughs> in their baseball history last week, beating the Volunteers of Tennessee. Carl Cluck Cluck are opening up the College World Series tonight against Texas. I don't think they're right too high in there, but that was a great weekend last weekend. All those people in those Tennessee jerseys, I'm sure, are, are nice and hot, double knit crap. Uh, in the 100-degree heat, all just roasting out there as the Irish had a big comeback? <laughs> you, you know what? I, I don't want to hear it because yesterday I got in the car to go down to the store and, uh, you know, turn the car on. And, of course, you know, all the modern cars have a nice little thermometer on the dashboard, right? I saw a triple-digit number. Yeah. it's uh, I, You know, it, 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 for this time of year, that's pretty extraordinary. But you, but before, before people start with this, oh, you know, it's all climate change or whatever, uh, my daughter right now is out near in somewhere in the middle of Idaho, uh, having fun, and uh, <laughs> it's about thirty-five degrees out there. Yeah. Well, by the way, did you cause the uh, floods in Yellowstone? That place messed up for a decade. You know, it's it, here's here's the thing about that. That's really not. Uh, that's it, it sounds extraordinary. But it really isn't. We were we were out in the Tetons a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when I talked to you last week, we, I was actually sitting in my uh, my converted cargo trailer that's an RV uh, doing the show. And uh, the snowpack out there, which of course only happens when it's cold, right? I mean, if there's all this global warming, where where'd all the snow come from? Uh, the snowpack out there is extraordinary. And then overnight, one night, we we had this dinky little pop-up thunderstorm thing that came through there just rained like an SOB for about an hour and a half. Well, you know, what do you think happens? I mean, you know, how often have you seen this with the Des Plaines River, right? Uh, big difference. Well, it, it, yeah, because, you're, you know, you got 3,000 feet of vertical elevation that it's all coming off of. Yeah. But, but same basic concept, right? We went hiking a couple of days later. We, we intelligently did, was not going to try to do it the next morning. We gave it another day, and we went up into this place. We were we were headed for a summit. We got about halfway there, and we turned around because the path and everything related to it had been turned into a swift water river uh, where it's normally dry. And it, and I mean, you know, you get caught up in that stuff, you're doing you're going to be dead. Well, that's one of the, uh, the the biggest issues with the. It's interesting that you you brought this up because one of the the biggest issues with. Lake Mead and that whole area being uproariously dry, right? Is that uh, there are 
there are a few storms that there's a name for them, some kind of a, like a, a uh, you know, it's almost like a typhoon, but it's not, that once every year or two would come across into uh, central Utah and those whole areas, right. which are Colorado River drainage areas, and drop like all these inches of snow or, or rain, and actually would, would help the snowpack and it would go on to into the Rocky Mountains, and you'd have this real healthy snowpack year after year after year. And that that essentially is what feeds the Colorado River. And these rainstorms every now and then just adds a little icing to the cake to where that's what fills up all these reservoirs, Hoover Dam and what's the one above it, Lake Yeah, yeah, it's the snowpack, though, that actually fills right. most of but that. They, but, they, but they talked about these, these kind of crazy storms. Well, the entire crazy storm track over the last few years has been driven north to where the Seattle and that whole area has had rain and rain and rain and then Vancouver and those areas. And that, that piles into the Tetons because that's a lot further north. So the snowpack there is, yes, is real high. Colorado, it's not. And well, yeah, no, it's, well, it, it, yes and no, though, all right? So, I mean, one of the, before COVID became a, a big thing, I used to make a point of going out to Wolf Creek, which is, of course, in southern Colorado. Uh, it's it's a excellent place to ski if you don't want to pay the stupid tax for uh, for being out in Aspen or whatever have you. And uh, skiing's just as good, but uh, you know there's there isn't this grand party thing that's, that goes that's around a with it. So tax. the price is about a quarter. That's a beautiful and people uh, tax, Carl. It's a beautiful person tax. Uh, well, you know, you call it whatever you want. I I call it the stupid tax because I you know if I'm if I'm going to actually go ski. I'm not staying up drinking until 3 o'clock in the morning because I'd like to actually be able to get out and ski the next day. I mean, the, the entire point of going to do this is to is to ski, for crying out loud. At least from my point of view. I mean, I, I understand there's people who see it differently. Well, when we were 25, uh, we could do both. Well, yeah, when I was 25, I could do both, and I was a wreck for a week when I got done, too. But well, the, um, you the, the thing that's price. interesting is that, you know, they get, on average, their average snowfall out is 400 inches. Yeah. Okay. Well, it still is, and that's the southern part of Colorado. Uh, they didn't have anywhere so, near that kind of a year in Aspen or Steamboat or anything this year. They were, I mean, it's, but there's not enough to to refill. No, no, but, but here's, you know, you know what, Chief? Here's here's the thing about that. All right, all right everybody loves it. You know, the whole thing with Lake Mead. I get it. You know, the, the water is at historic low levels. Do you know why? Well, okay. people are taking. You, you don't think the extra twenty million people that have poured across the border into Colorado, into California, all of whom draw their drinking water from there? Never mind Las Vegas, okay? It, and and the green forest in the middle of the desert that used to be no green forest. Oh no no no! We can just indefinitely. This this is an infinite resource. There's no limits on it. We can keep adding people and add density out there. It, it, that is you know, Five times the sustainable population of, of that well, I, I sort it, I of an it. environment there used in to be a, and nothing bad's going to ever happen. I, I get it. There's another canal into Phoenix. I know. But I guess what I'm saying is, is get back to the Yellowstone thing. I, I didn't realize. I mean, I've snowmobiled up there, and I know you go back and forth over the Continental Divide a few times. I just, yeah. I just assumed, and again, when you assume, you're always wrong. I assumed that the that the drainage was to the Colorado River side. It's not. The Yellowstone River goes to the Missouri. Right. And it's, well, and the, the thing is, though, is that, you know, it's like anything else. The, the, <laughs> we were out there. I, I go across the Teton Pass, and when you do that, you, you go into Idaho. Uh, because I go pick my girlfriend up, and she was coming to Idaho Falls because Jackson's Airport was closed. So I, I'm, I come across there, and you go down, you go through this road, 
and the Snake River is is winding back and forth, right? Oh, yeah. and there's all these houses built there. I took one look at the topology of the land. I said, these people built on a freaking floodplain. Well, here's I don't it. know how long ago was the last time the Snake River was all the way up within, you know, outside its banks and way up in this area. But this is very clearly, just looking at what's growing there, that's a floodplain. Well, it's it sort of is and it sort of isn't. I mean, what... It is. This is fascinating stuff, uh, Carl. I wish I, I wish I knew more about it. But if you if you're looking at the the Displains, which is a prairie stream, you're looking at the Mississippi, the Ohio. When it when it gets, it moves kind of slow. And when when there's a little bit more water, most of the time, yeah, but <laughs> right. But but also, if it goes up or down two feet, it's it's like no big deal. But I've, I've been. We were. I was standing next to the Yellowstone River in the dead of winter. Because there's mud pots right next to the water. I mean, there were, right. I mean, it's pretty cool. But the the river is shallow, and it's very fast moving. I mean, it's it's, right. it's got to be a great trout. So when you get a river that's normally two feet deep and moving pretty damn fast, and it goes to three, three and a half, that thing went to thirteen feet. Can you imagine the volume of water that was pouring through there? I mean, when you when you got a river that's normally five feet moving pretty fast, and it goes to seven, you're you're like Quadrupling the amount of water going through there. It's not like a, a foot up on the Displains River. It's totally different. Oh no! Well, they, well, actually, they, they have flow gauges all over that thing, and there was um, I, I was I've been watching in the last couple of weeks. So we were out, we were actually out there last year because we did the Yellowstone Half Marathon out there, and uh, and went through a, a big part of the park. You know, just checking. I mean, the mud pots and stuff like it, it looks like a Martian landscape. Oh god, it's bizarre. Yeah. yeah, it's bizarre. Um, but but here's the thing. The flow get, the 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 actual flow rates that you were seeing were about double the spring high water normal, which is okay. which is way higher than normal anyway. Oh, it's it's it, yeah, but I mean you know, but I'm just saying it's a. I mean, yes, it was an extraordinary event. Did you ever see pictures? That, you know that this is something that never has happened. Oh, yes, it has. Did you ever um, see pictures? It, it hasn't happened in quite a few years. But it was just it, the, what caused it for the most part wasn't so much the snowpack. It was that during the week that we were out there, they had this. There was this line of pop-up thunderstorms that you know they get generated by the lift off the mountains, and on the on the side where they rain out, you get hammered. Yeah, and and if that happens on top of you know four feet of snow. Oh God! <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, and, yeah. and if it's warm enough that you know it doesn't freeze, it actually starts melting stuff. You got problems, and and that's I mean that's basically what happened there. And I you know I wasn't all that shocked because um, I mean it's a you know this kind of thing happens on a regular. Yeah, that's a, Why do you think they call it a hundred year floodplain? Because because about every hundred years something like that happens. Did you ever see pictures of? Because uh, I want to ask you more about these, these numbers here. But did you ever see pictures uh, when they were uh, like before they built Hoover Dam? Yeah, it's it's pretty spectacular. They they show these guys in these little boats and it's nice, quiet. It has a little river and they're, they're doing soundings and stuff. Then they showed a picture right where Hoover Dam now is of the the the, the greatest flood they ever recorded there. The water right. the water it's fighting its way to get through that spot. It's 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 incredible. It looks like something out of the Bible with Noah for God's sake. Yeah. Oh yeah, well that's I mean, but that you know that's that's what made that location such a productive place to stick it. Yeah. Okay, I mean that's why you do it there, and it's in, you know, and, and, and this is just kind of the way things are. It's it, I I just look at the the entire, you know, I mean the power of nature. You look at all these rocks in the canyons. Look at the Grand Canyon. What do you, what do you think caused that? It? It's that's all from water flow. 
So here, your buddy Powell, to change the t- t- page here, yeah. says that the Fed is acutely focused on bringing down inflation when they're the guys who caused it. They don't, they but you know, it, it, well, now wait, Congress caused it. The Fed did not react to it until Congress cut it out and and raise rates into it and choke it off. Well, so they, I mean, you know, let's let's put blame where it belongs. Well, it's, um, it's the Congress decided to spend the money. And well, God, well, Powell absolutely could have kneecapped them by saying, yeah. um, "Okay, you know what? We're not going to let M two run like this. Instead, if if you insist on doing this, uh, we're, we're going to put two hundred bips on on rates tomorrow morning." All they would do is say. You better tax it or or or, or do something with it because we're not printing it. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? We're not going to buy the bonds. We're 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 going to chop off the liquidity knee that allows you to do this kind of nonsense. You know, one of the things that I think is so interesting is that everybody did you did you hear all the screaming about Marts a couple days ago? Marts retail sales report. Oh yeah, yeah. It's called Marts. Uh, you know, I as soon as that started, I went and I pulled it up. It's not that bad. Well, how can you tell? Well, because I'm looking at the unadjusted. Uh, I mean, uh, the nominal numbers. It, it, it was not a. That, it's not a disaster. Uh, you know where it all came from? It, it essentially all of it was in was in car sales and parts. Well, guess what? There's no cars in a lot. How do you buy a car if there's no car? Well, because you're buying it for twice as much as the one last year. That, that's well I, well. I get that, but I'm saying. You go go by the car dealer. I mean, I can't tell you how many of them we drove by on the way out and back to Wyoming. There's nothing on the lot. No, several of them were closed because they can't get any inventory. Right. Well, here, here, Dan and I talked about this yesterday, and we'll talk about this real quick because there's just one headline here I want to talk to you about. Um, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I, I'm you know I'm bitch daily basically about the uh, inflation numbers, about the CPI. I couldn't, you know, you know what these numbers have done to me, Carl. Is, is somebody who tries to be an economist or a half-ass economist? I can't tell you. I don't can't tell you if I'm on foot or horseback regarding these numbers because I can't tell. The, there's so much money in the system. There's so much areas where the prices have gone up so damn much. I can't tell you whether we're winning or losing because the nominal is, is blowing away the real. I can't. I can't tell where we are. Yeah. I honestly, don't. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just it's a zoo. Okay, yeah. and, and but the things that are going on now. Are all function of economic policy, and you know everybody knows I'm, I'm no fan of Joe Biden. Right? I mean, you know, you come down here, you can you can buy all the uh, nice flags you'd like to get because there's a couple of stores that actually sell them. But the reality of it is, is that we haven't even gotten hit by that yet. The PPI, which was out a couple of days ago, has forty percent unprocessed. Inflation. It's been running at that level for the last twelve months. Well, Chief. If you take if you take the if you split that in half, like you and I do, and not in half, but if you you split it goods versus services, the goods part has been damn near two percent a month now for for five months. Oh no, it's not two percent. No, no, no. It's it, the the there are over the last twelve months, all of the last twelve months, unprocessed crude goods. Inflation has been running at fifty percent. Right, but I'm saying just in general, goods being twenty four percent a year is like a real lot. That's the part that oh, well, filters. But, but the truth is, it's double that. Okay. All right. So here, it says here. Let's, let's cut this back a little bit to where people are, and I want to get to where the the, uh, the employment numbers. Thirty six percent of employees earning hundred thousand or more say they're living paycheck to paycheck. I don't doubt that for a second. Do you? I don't. No, not at all. Especially if you live in a city. Yeah, I, uh, 
Um, did you ever uh, we'll segue here? Uh, I promise briefly. Did you ever read uh, the book The Bonfire to Vanities years ago? No. Well, it was a, about this Irish judge and it got into different personalities. But the bottom line is this guy, this guy, this had to be in the 80s, this book was, maybe even earlier. This guy is a big, big, big shot New York guy, right? And he, uh, there's a page in there that virtually every, every, you should give to every one of your kids to read, not to mention the adults should read it too. The guy was making a million bucks a year and whenever his book was, I'm going to say 81, maybe the book was written, maybe even earlier than that. And he had the wife who liked to spend dough and he had the girlfriend. And there's a page where he's driving to work and he's calculating how much he spent. You know, this is 1980 something. And right. it turns out that the, the apartment where the wife was cost him X and she needed a car spot and a car even though she never drove. And that was X. Then the girlfriend needed her place and she's always bitching and she wanted a two bedroom instead of a one bedroom. But he had her in rent right. control and she would, anyway, the bottom line was he totaled it all up and he had spent like a million one. <laughs> The year before, <laughs> and there was a survey that I read years ago where they looked at people in every walk of life. When I say income bracket, and they said, "Okay, how much do you need to make you comfortable? You know, not not to win the lottery, or whatever, whatever." Right, right. And they, in, in virtually every income bracket, it came down to twenty percent of a year's pay. Vir- virtually right across the board, to where that would be enough to pay off the credit card bill. Maybe pay off the car. Of course, now 20% of your salary would never pay off the car. Uh, would pay off the car and maybe give you and the wife, you know, a, a weekend in, in Stony Island or Blue Island or someplace. And of course, they said no matter what group you were in, you were like, it was 20%. You were like 20% yeah. of a year's paycheck ahead of being comfortable, you know, or, right. or, or steady. And, uh, I, th- I think this, a lot of this stuff, I was with two people last night. We're telling me they're, they're putting a retirement off a year because what's happened to their four hundred one k? Well, it's it's it, it's going to be a one hundred one point two or one hundred point two five k in about another year and a half at the rate we're going. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not so sure we're done yet. I, I think some stocks. No, are we're not. We're not, Chief. You know, I got into it with this guy the other night. It was like, well, you know, you just look at the you know look at the earnings and then put a you know put a, a even a recession level multiple on it, right? And I said, okay, so for the last thirty years. I could literally run a cash furnace by borrowing money and flipping it over, just paying the coupon on it. And I would never get caught out doing this, and I'd never get bankrupted by it, because the price of the next loan, when I rolled it over, was always cheaper. Yep. The interest rates were always going down. It was from the upper left to the lower right. And that's over. So how much of the E... I mean, just take a look at what, take a look at what the S&P 500's earnings were in, say... 2006. Okay, about a hundred bucks. What's a recession level? What's a recession level multiple on hundred? Uh, seven. Yeah. Well, if interest rates are higher, yes, seven or eight. But I'd well, say now wait a minute. In 2007, they weren't higher. Well, they were a little higher, but yeah. I, well, yeah, but they, but they weren't eleven percent. No, 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 no. No, they were. I'd say they were. They were. Mortgage rates and stuff were what six, six and a half it was probably pretty. They were about yeah. where the Fed says they're going. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what what is if the E is all financial engineering and it gets cut back to what you can actually produce? What's a recession level multiple on that for the price of stocks? Well, I, I think we've we've given back roughly half of the COVID rally. Right? Are we going to give the whole bit back? Yes, and more and more. 
think so. Yes, you know, I do. I think we're going to give back everything that, at least everything that went on since Trump was elected. Uh, well, yeah, he was up a bunch before the COVID stuff hit, but it re- that's that's, it, that's right because yeah. he was money printing like crazy. Yep. Okay, and and you know, say what you want about him, but the, but the guy knew exactly what he was doing, and oh, yeah. he essentially bought the 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 adoration of everybody who happened to have things in the market by doing exactly that. And he knew what the risk was too, because in the 1980s he nearly got bankrupted by it. Yeah, he always managed to dodge that. But what? what well, but but you know what? Um, yeah, okay. There, there's there's an old lesson that comes back from my you know my CEO days. When you're in a fast growing environment, you basically have to bet the company every 12 to 18 months because that's how fast technology advances on you. One mistake and you're done. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And so I, you know, I made several of those bets over the space of five years, and uh, every every time I managed to pull that card for the four flush. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know what? One of the times you're going to pull the card that's going to be the wrong suit. <laughs> well, I, I just I look at the individual stacks on my screen here, and again, everybody knows I'm not a. I, I, oh, they're I, down like crazy. Well, I'm saying I, I, I there's some here where I mean, everybody, everybody loves. Till to this day, people love like Lululemon. Right. I, I, I can't. I can't imagine if we go into any kind of recession, a deep one, that an apparel company trades thirty six times earnings. I just, I can't go. Why don't you take a look yeah. at Peloton? Look, look oh, what's yeah. happened to them. Well, yeah. Well, right. And uh, I'm saying if you look at those kinds of now Tesla, I, I I don't know there. I mean, if you pu- if you pull the the checks written to them by other people away, I mean, you look at this company. Forget Carol. I mean, I, I'm not a huge uh, Musk fan. The thing, just just for people, I mean, these are hard numbers. I can't even conceive of them, and I'm supposed to be, a, you know, an economist. No, and, and you know what, you know what, the, the Tesla thing is just flat out stupid because it's all about subsidies. Musk is a a fabulous tax farmer. That's what he does. But I mean, Kyle, we're talking about a half a million shares outstanding, and the thing, I, I know. And the thing is down six hundred dollars. It's down by half. Now take yeah. a look at GE. Yeah. Okay, from twenty in split adjusted in twenty sixteen twenty seventeen, the stock was two fifty. It's selling sixty five bucks today. Yeah, I mean, I, these are these are companies that have you know half a million, a billion, two billion shares outstanding. Those things go down like that. I mean, there's got to be. Well, Amazon, Amazon's down by nearly half. Well, this this uh, and, and well, I I well, I have I've heard of people who have. You know, a hundred shares of Amazon, and they're down. You know what? A uh, hundred thousand bucks. Well, well, again, split adjusted one eighty eight to one hundred three this morning. Yeah, the thing I'm saying it would it, it topped out at what three thousand, which would be one hundred and fifty here, right? Yeah, and it's, well, it's, it's, no, it's, it's uh, the the I've, I've got the chart up right in front of me. The, the split adjusted number uh, is one eighty eight sixty five. Right, so high. right, so it was at thirty six hundred. That's what have been twenty times. Uh, yeah, more. right. And then now we're now we're at uh, two thousand twenty or twenty two hundred. Yeah, now, now we're, yeah, because we're trading one hundred four, one hundred four and change right now pre market. That's unreal. Hey, we got to talk uh, next week again a little bit about. We didn't get to the labor numbers. I got us with almost as almost exact number of people, actually more people employed than before COVID. Uh, yeah, but you know what? We have a whole lot. There's there's two million people a year that go into the workforce. Right, so make right. sure you adjust for that. When you do, we're still down about five. Okay, well, so let's let's talk next week because we didn't really have a chance to go over them 
uh, heavily, and it was a pretty interesting report. But I think the, it's it's turning just a hair, Carl. I think I think the time of hire me from it, another it time. Is, it, it's it, yeah, you're starting to see the softness. It's just you got the leading edge of it right now. Well, I think it's it's the the arrogant factor where I've heard <laughs> anecdotally the last couple nights where somebody refused to come in the office and they called them four times. They're always out walking their dog. And they fired up. I mean, or somebody, or somebody says, "I'm never coming into the office." Says, well, then we don't want our area. I've heard that. Well, have a nice day. Yeah, right. Nice, all right, have a nice weekend, buddy. SPG is <laughs> only up 17 now. Nasdaq is 87. We're leaking. Uh, I'll be back on Tuesday. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I hate goodbyes. 